Seattleites in the South, a hella black podcast. We're your hosts. I am Queen Pin, and I'm here with Coco Noir, formerly Coco Blanco, formerly Hey. Wow. Okay. The artist formerly known as. Thank you. And <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. We have had the very, very special episode for the girls. This week, we have the opportunity and pleasure to interview some very close friends of ours and Coco's cousin, Ashley Hay, as well as a good friend of mine, Curtis. Um, they both are experts in mental health and they focus a lot of their time on children, family, and marriage therapy and counseling. So we wanna thank them so much for their time and the conversation we were able to have. Um, but before we get into it, remember, we drop episodes every Thursday. Please, please, please subscribe to this podcast. Give us a five-star rating, review, follow us on IG and Facebook at Seattleites in the South, and let's get into it. <laughs> All right, y'all. So we have Ashley and Curtis here. They are our mental health providers. So I don't know who wants to go first, but give us just a brief bio. Tell us about your profession. What do you do? All that jazz for the girls and the guys and the days. Mm -hmm. um, okay, I'll go first. I am Ashley. Um, I live in Seattle, Washington. No, I don't. I live in Tacoma, Washington. Um, <laughs> tried it. Tried you did. It. You did. <laughs> I am 33. I am. Uh, I have my MSW. I graduated from USC in August of 2020. Um, I've been working with some local agencies for about two to three years. Um, my mainly, I worked with children and family. Um, and right now I actually got a new job. I am working with program management or program development. So I just go through the programs um, and see, you know, what's working, what's not working. Um, I just did a panel with a few clients on, you know, some programs that we like to, you know, introduce um, in our agency and then, you know, some quality insurance stuff. Um, so, so yeah, I've been doing in the social work field for about two to three years so yeah nice and Curtis tell us a little about yourself what do you do where you are awesome awesome so um I am a marriage and family therapist um uh just like Ashley I graduated last year with my um counseling degree in marriage and family therapy um I've been on the counseling mental health journey for about five years now. Um, started off mentoring and counseling youth um, and that was trying to um, be rehabilitated and re-entered society because they were in a locked facility. So I started off there. Um, very interesting and diverse clientele um, there, but uh, it was a good experience. Um, I live in a Charlotte area of North Carolina. Um, and yeah, I don't know if y'all wanted me to touch on anything else. No, that's, okay. that's great. Unless this you did. Your world. This is you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's cool. Thanks for sharing a little bit about what you do, your background. So we're going to get into it. So 
feel free to answer again how the you know spirit moves you so how do you know when to start therapy mental health care because you know sometimes you just don't know you don't know when you need to be there or when you need to be square so tell us from your experience when do you know you need to start and then when do you know you're done when do you know okay you know what we're done and we're finished so from your experience what have you what have you had do you want to know like personally or like our clients experience you can give us both give both of them give both of them them. see yeah double up okay so for like a client perspective most of my clients come in um I work a lot with youth so a lot of them come in um through like either school referrals um behaviorally um you know like the one who for example I just got a referral today this youth she has you know been interrupting classes she you know she um likes to uh she gets really highly escalated and likes to hit and whatever so our agency we get referrals from schools we also get referrals from if they're in a uh, residential facility we get referrals for them too um but my experience is when someone wants to start therapy they you know they have tried to implement their coping skills that they have now Um, that they, you know, learned throughout the years. And if those are not working and they kind of need that extra push and, you know, professional um, perspective, that's when it starts, it's, you know, it's like, it's time to get some help. Um, But particularly youth, they usually get referrals. Some of them don't want to be in therapy. (laughs) um I could imagine um, (laughs) you know it's stupid and of course you get that stigma oh you're in therapy you're seeing a counselor um and uh, like my older kids like high school that's kind of the stigma that you know kind of shies them away but um some of my adult clients like they say you know they just need an extra help um a push from somebody to help with you know learning more coping skills and whatnot um, and when it's time to end therapy, um, you know, when you start therapy, you have goals. And so throughout your therapy, you know, journey, you're working on those goals. So when those goals have been made and like the therapist yourself, your family are seeing, you know, um, the results and they are, you know, getting better at using their learned coping skills, healthy coping skills, let me put that in there, healthy coping skills. Um, <laughs> then we kind of, we call it graduation because we kind of make it fun. You know, you, you've made it. You've, you know, evolved into the person we knew you already were. You just kind of needed that extra push. Um, so, so yeah, when we call it when they are able to, um, gain stability and are able to be uh stable on their own without you know the help of a professional so have you seen anything different curtis on your end as far as the marriage or family side or is it pretty similar since your background was a lot with youth yeah um it's pretty similar to um ashley's um 
of course there is so i've dealt with youth majority of the time but also dealt with some adults in the marriages and couples trying to get married so um the range of sessions can be definitely be different because there's a difference in modalities that you might use and there's a difference in what um the client might be dealing with you know if you have depression that's not something I mean, there's different types of depression, but if you have uh, like a longstanding depression, that's more something that you might continue going to therapy with. You might come for a few months, stop, once you feel in a good place, and then you come back. So you might have those ongoing clientele that um, might, you know, continue their therapy sessions periodically. And then like Ashley said, when it's about time to be done, you, you reach your goals, you felt like you're stable enough, you're doing healthy coping skills, um, using those effectively, um, then, you know, that's when you are, you know, you finish. <laughs> <For most part. laughs> yeah, Professionally so. finished. Yeah, if, if, yeah. <laughs> if, if, you're, if your therapist is trying to keep you beyond that, I would really, you know, that it would just be for money purposes, I guess, because, but just that's like as a as a tad bit, you know what I'm saying. So um, if you felt like you've reached your goals and you um, your therapist is showing that oh well, you have reached your goals, and you're and you're creating a lot of times what I see is like clients try to create more things because now they're coming dependent on coming to therapy. Oh, I like talking to you, you know what I'm saying. And it's not about that. We're not here to be friends per se. Um, we're here to help you reach your goals and then you know push you along for you to keep going and doing what you need to do by yourself. So. Mm, I'm period. That's a good I'm point. Period. Yes, that's yes. a good point. <laughs> Gotta do it so, for yourself. <laughs> this one. So, I know you guys kind of like work in the similar areas when it comes to like family things, and so working with youth and working with families, there are goals in place. But is there a typical process of achieving the goals? How do you determine what that process looks like? Um, how much involvement does the client have in that? So could y'all tell us a little bit about just what does the process of going to get mental health guidance look like? Um, good question. Um, <laughs> and we, under, we understand that it's not always linear. Yeah. You know, it's not, yeah, it's not always a linear process. We, we yeah. understand that. Yeah, with our... Um, the agencies that I've worked for, family, and it's like we have a client-centered approach to our therapy. So the client always has a voice, always. Um, and it's my job to make sure that voice is coming out, especially when I'm working with families and, for example, like a high school student. And, you know, those parents are like, you know, if only they did this, you know, everything would be better. But what does the client want? You know, so um, with our agency, we have, um, so we do talk to the client. We come up with the treatment plan with the client. I never make a treatment plan, which is our goals, basically. Um, I never make one without a client because, um, you know, they're not my goals. This is what they want to work on. Um, so um, I make sure that, you know, those goals are made up in a session or two with the client and the family. And we just talk, you know, like we're talking right now, like, what do you want to see different? What do you want to, you know, what do you want to see changed? Um, and we have those conversations. Um, and then we come periodically, it's every 
90 days with my agency, we come back and we talk about what, you know, what has, you know, improved. Um, do we still need to work on these goals? Is this goal done? Do we need to add another goal? Um, it's like an ongoing process. Um, like Chris was saying, you know, I have clients who have been in therapy for a year or two, and then there's some that are, you know, six months. Um, it just depends on what the client and the family want to work on. Um, but there's, we never have like an end date. Like we just go with, we'll go with the process. So it's a different process for every client, of course. Um, but I think it's very important to make sure that those goals are the clients and not the therapist's goals. That is very important. Um, and to revisit those goals periodically to see, you know, the, are we done with that? Do we need to, you know, what else needs to happen for you to get there? Um, and what am I not doing to help you get there? So, so yeah, I hope that answers that question. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it did, does. Okay. It did. Did you have anything to add? Yeah. So, I mean, it's my uh, process would be pretty similar to Ashley's, um, you know, going over what has changed. Um, a lot of times, for my clients, um, there's a period between um, when they called to when they actually come to the session. And what I like to ask is what has changed since then? So things might've changed, but in between that time, it might've been a week since you called. So the things could have definitely changed. Um, and I think for me, the process um, might change a little bit as far as, or it might differ in the sense that I might use a different modality or model, there's different models, um, solution focus, narrative, strategic, um, and uh, there's different interventions that come with those models. So I decide on when to use these interventions or these models when I talk to the client and I see how they're experiencing their issues. Because um, one of the most important things is knowing what their experience is. So a lot of times what we do, what we like to do as people, we um, see an experience that we might have a understanding of an ad experience. Let's say our both our parents died or something in a situation. I definitely deal with that definitely um, differently than what they might have dealt with it. So I have to understand how they deal with it and um, what intervention might be best for that, um, the issue that they're dealing with. So, but checking in, like, like Ashley said and everything during specific amount of days, um, is definitely best. I like it. I like it. And things change. Like, you never know what could have happened. You might have to change up your whole game plan, depending right. on them, them seven days between they calling you <laughs> and seeing you. Like, yeah, I was, I called you, but I actually ran up and, you know, hit a lick. And I actually ran over old lady. And, you know, I had a whole shootout at Linux Mall. But it's really good for me to have this this session with you you know you just don't know until so are we talking to uh, a mental this, health counselor this is purely hypothetical counselor? this is both of them this is purely <laughs> okay purely the lawyer sent you the yeah. lawyer sent you okay all right to therapy before we could even do any of that you see how, how it how it layers up there so speaking of layers um <laughs> we know you know we're black people we bliggity bliggity black 
And we know there's a lot of layers to our blackness. We understand that. And some more than others, because some are on um, a different healed journey than other people are. So from what you've seen, you know, just taking a guess and how it looks for y'all, demographically, how many patients of color do you think you work with? Um, and with that, how, how does that interaction feel? Like, does it feel any different versus non-people of color or non-Black people? Um, I work with, I want to say maybe 20% people of color. Oh, um, wow. I, you know, hmm. I'm interested on <laughs> you, Curtis, because you do live on the other side of the country. Yeah, I'm going to say you live in Washington. <laughs> yeah. See, things are different. See. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I work mainly with, you know, white youth and their families. Um, We're going to have to have an off-camera discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Do I approach it differently? No. Because <laughs> being me, I, you know, I just think that, um, I, you know, <laughs> when you're a therapist and you're a Black African-American woman therapist, it's different than being a white woman therapist where you can, you know, um, you kind of have to kind of uh, say things differently, you know, and kind of sit back and kind of listen th- differently than you would an African American youth. So, what you mean? oh, that's what a whole different mean? level of cold switch. Hold on. Yeah, wait, wait. So you backwardsly cold switching? No, no. I because no, I'm saying that I some things that I would I couldn't I can't say them like your knee jerk your knee jerk negro reaction isn't oh, allowed you at have work. to tone it down yeah because if they're like yeah oh. i haven't showered in five days you can't act ma'am <laughs> i have had some some people they just don't they don't have access to that but yeah so i can't take her nowhere <laughs> i can't take her anywhere <laughs> Uh, but I have noticed that my clients, they kind of have to warm up to me um, because, you know, they don't, because me standing on the phone, I sound different. I don't sound African-American on the phone. So when you see me, like right now on the com- computer, I could see the first, you know, when we have our first session, you, you get that, oh. And you so, have a very racially ambiguous so, name as well. Listen, you gonna right. stop telling people that. You gonna stop telling people. Am that. I lying? Am I lying though? Right. See, you see it. You see it. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I. How do you actually deal with that? Because I feel like when you're a therapist, you're trying to help. So how can you help if you're like constantly like? censoring and policing yourself that just seems like a lot of like mental work I just (laughs) it is a lot of work and some you know sometimes that's just the first session and then the sessions after that they kind of get used to you so then you kind of you know um get back to you know being you 
Um, not saying that I'm not me when I talk to them, but you 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 know what I'm cold yeah. switch. We know. Yeah, the cold switch. Okay, but Kurt, you in the south. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Right. I'm interested in from other Yeah. I was that's surprising. I was my clientele from my experience has been especially I guess um from back when I was dealing with um juvenile delinquents. Um it was definitely by about eighty percent black, maybe even more. Um so I've dealt with clients that use Medicaid, dealt with clients that you know had insurance, all that. And it's definitely a majority of black um, male and females. So um, when I get a person of different uh, ethnicity, it wasn't surprising. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, what a change. Yeah, (laughs) so it was more intriguing because I, you know, I had to learn. It's a learning process, right? I'm not, they're not just learning from me. I'm learning from them. Um, They're the experts of their lives. So. I can't pretend to know anything about them. I can't make no assumptions. Um, but even even with black people, I can't make assumptions. Be like, oh yeah, we both kind of grew up in similar situations. I know what your life is like, or whatever. Or I know people like you. You know, it's not it's not like that either. Because you know, I could have a person that is black, a person of color, and they can have a totally experience of what being black is compared to what I might think it should be. So, so um, you didn't have to code switch though. I mean, I was I was professional. I wasn't like, yo, oh, my, yo, my G was good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I yeah, definitely, yeah, I definitely go off of, um, you know, one of the, like, was kind of an intervention was when you use the client's language. So whatever language they are using in sessions, that's what you know you use to help join with them, um, in the in your sessions and help them make them feel more comfortable. So, um. If they, you know, want to curse, and you know, I'll, I'll slide out one too in a similar <laughs> okay. fashion. You know what I'm saying? Just, just to make them feel comfortable, because you don't want to. I don't want to make it seem like I'm judging them for for cursing or being themselves. So, so yeah. A little seasoning in the sessions never hurt nobody. Right. right. A little Lowry's here and there. <laughs> <laughs> Get a little flavor. demographically you know what your clientele looks like so from what you've seen and considering you're on two different coasts you all the way at the top in the corner by yourself and you know carry you all the way in the down and south and whatnot so how can we increase our people of color attending you know therapy or like just even utilizing mental health care period I feel like now there's so many outlets for people to get mental health information that's from legitimate sources and I don't think we always utilize them you know so venting to your great great grandpappy who's been in the war and probably gonna forget your name by the end of the time y'all have the conversation don't really count so I need us to utilize better resources so how would you suggest that we as people of color and black people do that um just having that conversation we don't have that conversation a lot like you know um there's a lot of stigma around you know getting therapy 
in our community. Um, and just having that conversation of it's okay um, if you need it. Um, also, I think we, we need more, I've seen it more lately, but we just need more people to represent us in the mental health field. Um, I know in Washington, when I, well, I granted I went to school, at, <laughs> which is in California, but in my classes, I was the only African-American in my classes. Um, and so just, you know, getting people, you know, our youth, our kids want to talk to people who look like them. So to, you know, be able to provide that to them and let them know that it's available to them, that um, would also be helpful. Um, I know my agency has people in the schools, um, you know, talking about the services that we provide um, and just having those conversations with those youth about, you know, there are these resources for you out there. Um, but, but yeah, I think just, I've been thinking about it a lot, just having more African-American people in the field, especially specifically in Washington. I can't talk about North Carolina cause I don't live there, but, um, they just want to see more of them. Um, and, you know, feel comfortable and welcomed in that space. Cause I feel like sometimes they feel, um, they don't feel welcomed. Um, and they don't feel heard. So just, yeah, those are my thoughts. That's funny. Cause, um, I guess for me, I do see a lot of, um, like I said, I say a lot of African-American, um, race or whatever. Um, and it's funny that you said, you know, people want to, they want to see people that look like them. So a lot of times I usually, it's either a mom, um, referring their young son to me because, you know, they want a black man, um, some kind of, I, I feel like it's a little bit of a father figure thing, um, some kind of mentor that's usually a black male that they're trying to look for. Uh, even and this is funny because it's even when the father is in the house, in the home, um, whether the father's not a good example or they don't feel like the father has the tools to, you know, talk to the child or, you know, mentor the child properly. So I have that experience. Um, so I, I definitely think the awareness of mental um, stability has definitely increased over the last few years, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement um, and all that. So I definitely think we're more informed. Now it's, now it's more about time to, you know, actually engaging. <laughs> we're, we're well informed. There's so many websites out there, Black Therapy for Black Girls, Therapy for um, Black Men, you know, I can go on and on, but I think there's more time, more about time to engage. We're informed, but I think it's time to engage. Oh my God, I'm so glad you said that because, I mean, we both had our own therapy journey and being in and out of therapy for, for a very Lots. long time. We ain't going, y'all, y'all can listen to that episode if y'all want to recap, but <laughs> one of the things we can, we, we can talk about it. Cause you know, we're all in the community. We, we all have this, whether we like to agree or not, we have this idea of what therapy is and what people are 
or, you know, go through when they go to therapy. So from a black person in the field, <laughs> what would you say is the biggest misconception and what is the truth behind that misconception when it comes to care and therapy? I've noticed that a lot of my youth come in thinking that they're going to be judged. Mm. Um, that therapists are there to judge you and tell you what you shouldn't do and what you should do. Um, and that's just not the case at all. Um, and I've heard from even some of my adults that they feel like they aren't going to be listened to. Um, and that, you know, we're going to run and tell whomever, like with my clients, they, they're really hooked on. You're going to go and tell my mom, uh, you know, I don't want her to know what I'm saying. Um, and so to kind of build that rapport with them and let them know that, you know, it's confidential unless you say, you know, things that, you know, if you want to hurt yourself or hurt someone else. Um, but just kind of getting past the, the judgment that you think comes along with therapy. Um, I know me personally, <laughs> I, <laughs> that is one of the, one of the things that did stop me from, you know, going to therapy. Cause I thought I was going to be judged, even though, cause I'm so judgmental on myself already. I didn't want someone else judging me too. So I kind of, I, get where they're coming from with the judgment but I just that's just not what we or me personally I judgment is just not in that session at all and I make sure I tell my clients that every time we have a session there's no judgment here and it's a safe space and you know so I think a lot has to do with the judgment that clients think they're going to receive yeah. And just to piggyback off what Ashley said, um, I think they're also, along with that judgment, they felt like they already did something wrong. Like, oh, I'm in therapy. I did something wrong already. Like, or something's wrong with me. You know, that's the automatic assumption that a lot of times clients have. And that, that may not, that may not always be the case. You know what I'm saying? You might just need a different input, a different perspective on what you're dealing with. Because a lot of stuff, a lot of clients, we all deal with the things they just might deal with it in a fashion that might not be the most healthy for them so we're trying to get them to see a different perspective of how to deal with this issue that we all might deal with but they're just having an issue uh, some difficulty dealing with it so that could lots be of tough. judgment and shame yeah it could be i think it could be something tough for people especially if it's not something that's normal i mean we talked about to remove the stigma in the community and, you know, there's resources, but how do you engage? And, you know, we talked about it a few episodes ago, like you have to be ready to go to therapy. Like you can't just go and expect stuff to just, oh, I'm a better, I'm a healed person. Zen, let me sage out. Like that's, that it just doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And, you know, being realistic, it, it'll really hit you in the face if you don't know that that's just not how it goes. So now that y'all, now that y'all are in this space and, you know, you've had a bit of time in your careers and I'm presuming, you know, personal life, how do you balance being a mental health care provider with your own mental wellness? 
Is there like a stopping point for you? I guess, what does it look like? What's your, your box that you're like, okay, I have, to, I have to stay in this box and I have to do these things. No, I'm staying yeah. in the box. <laughs> maybe, maybe out of the box. <laughs> um, so for me personally, so the first two, the first year and a half of my um, working in the social work field, I was doing the one-on-one client thing. Um, and recently, I did mention I got a new job. And I came to the realization that that type of work was not for me. Because mm-hmm. what I was doing was carrying my clients' issues home with me and thinking that oh I need to fix it um and you know so I'm a very I I am a very I'm an empath and I feel people's energy and I just don't feel the vibes mm, yeah and so me having that awareness that I'm good at that you know the one-on-one counseling but it's just not where I'm supposed to be um that was a changing point in my career, my career, three years, uh, my career. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, it's a career. Yeah, Learned something. I mean, okay. Yeah, like... don't downplay it. Yeah, that's, that's okay, a good we enough gonna, time. We all finna jump on you now. <laughs> right. The self-talk, ma'am. Listen. The self-talk. Okay. You're right. You're right. So, so yeah, just being, having that awareness of, you know, what are your boundaries and are you able to keep those boundaries in the position you are right now? And I was not. And so that's when I made the switch to being where I am now, which is developing programs for the same agency. So I think it, it, you know, it makes making sure that you have those boundaries and you're keeping those boundaries is important. Just being real with the person you are um, is, is very important and making sure that if it's not working for you to go about changing it um, and making it work for you. So that's my experience. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Boundaries, sometimes people think that when you have boundaries, you have to do it like you have to readjust them or reform them or restate them one time and that's it. But it's a constant battle, you know what I'm saying? So it's definitely something you got to keep utilizing and keep um stating but um to add to that i think one of the biggest things is definitely utilizing self-care i know we talk about that a lot like in society but we don't know how to use it sometimes um so when generally when people think of self-care it's more like oh i'm gonna plan a day for this i'm a plan a vacation so one of the most impactful and useful information I got from when I was in school from my professor is that if you need to do something that day, you need to go ahead and do it. So self-care can be, you know, picking up your favorite, um, favorite ice cream or something from the store on the way home, um, taking some time to read if that's what you enjoy, doing yoga when you get home. It, it doesn't have to be something that's just, that's planned. Oh, let me go plan a day while I do my nails or, you know, do something with my friends. Like it can be that in that moment, taking five minutes to just to be in with yourself to think your own thoughts so um definitely using utilizing self-care and the immediacy of it would be very important for me especially um 
you know, I can get stressed and I, I can be an empath sometimes. I can have that counter-transference um, from talking to clients. So I want to make sure I'm doing something immediately to help relieve me. Now, do y'all have therapists that you speak to now? So, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, um, I tried going to therapy and... <laughs> Um, it's not, it wasn't a bad experience or nothing like that, but I I got there and I started talking about what I thought I wanted to talk about. Sometimes you think you want to talk about something, but sometimes you just need to take a few moments to figure it out yourself. Anyways, um, and we was talking on, he was like, you, you, you seem like you got it handled. You know, you don't like, why are you here? (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Just, just do what you're, you're worried about. And it seemed like, you already know what to do a part. You already know what to do um, um, about what you're worrying about. So, so I was like, yeah. So I, I he just kind of reaffirmed me and gave me the trust for me to trust myself. So um, I was just like, okay. And he's like, just because you, you hear people um, go to therapy doesn't mean you always need it. So I think that's that's been my experience. I, I can't say it for everybody, but that's my experience. But see how he went, y'all. And then figure See, right. that out. Cause some of y'all be like, oh, I don't need therapy. I'm cool before you even try. And some yeah. of y'all need therapy bad. <laughs> bad. bad. Some of y'all out there, you need you you need a therapist for this, you need a therapist for that, you need a life coach sure. for this. And right. Listen, a personal trainer, you need a, a lawyer, <laughs> a doctor, right. Basically. <laughs> Look, okay, you need different types of counsel. Right. Front, back, side to side, tootsie roll, make it like all of them. Anyways, <laughs> Ashley, what is, do you have a therapist at the moment? Um, not at the moment. I'm shopping around. I was talking to someone and we didn't click and I need to, mm. I need to click. So yeah, I need to click. around for your therapist. It is okay. Um, so... So yeah, um, I am definitely shopping around and as Sierra knows, I've been resistant to therapy for a couple years. Ain't that funny? Um, I've been trying to convince her to wow. go. Ain't that crazy? Wow, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? Ain't that crazy? <laughs> wow. wow. I have the thought <laughs> that, you know, I am a social worker. This is what I do for a living. I should not need a therapist. That is okay, not- Okay, okay. Who said that? Okay, Who said that? I said that. And it was, it's wrong. It was definitely wrong. We're not going to get to a whole coaching session right now, but I'm glad you know that those thoughts are just the thoughts. Yes. They are not real. Being a strong black woman is just not a case I'm willing to wear anymore. I feel like we need to be assigned a therapist at birth, honestly. Right. You you black, you came out the womb. Oh, you a woman? Oh, you definitely need one. Out, out, get one. Right now, for too <laughs> but no okay look 
I need to go actually email my therapist back. Y'all making me think that I need to get my shit together. So. <laughs> I mean, I y'all know, know my story. I started and I left. I wasn't ready, so I'm gonna I'm <laughs> go back. You definitely have to be ready. You definitely. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't ready for the read because I knew she was gonna read me for filth, and I just wasn't ready for it. I needed her to, but I just wasn't ready to hear it. <laughs> I wanted to live in my ignorance for a little bit longer. <laughs> Look, the both of y'all. <laughs> Carter's going on with some sense. Right. <laughs> He's trying not to laugh at us, but it's true. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, y'all, I greatly appreciated this conversation. Thank y'all for joining us on this podcast. I hope that you enjoyed your time with us. You know. Thank you guys. For fun. your time, thank you, thank you, your yeah. participation. Um, do y'all have any closing remarks, closing words? Go to therapy. What she said. <laughs> yep, there's resources out there. Get engaged. Right. Get engaged. We'll link some in the in the description. We'll link some. Episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm all about it, guys. But I appreciate your time. Um, and yeah, I love it. Thank love you guys, guys so much. Thank you. See you. all right y'all that was our interview with ashley and curtis again we want to thank them for coming in to have this conversation with us and it was an amazing little kiki i feel like it was a very educational moment you know i felt very astute and stuff (laughs) but girl what was your favorite part of the whole interview um spoke about their interaction with children especially when they're people of color or black people like obviously they're not gonna necessarily code switch but there's a certain level of their interaction that does change a little bit and I never really thought about that because like most of my therapists with the exception of one were all black women so like I didn't feel any sort of barrier that had to change but I was like oh I guess if you're dealing with you know white parents or, you know, Latinx parents or Asian parents, like, you know, especially for Ashley, she got a lot of the references and recommendations from parents and then spoke to the children. So it could really be a different conversation if she's like, oh, you know, they thought I was black and that's, I mean, they thought I wasn't black and that's why they chose me or or whatever. But I think that's something that we don't really talk about is not only black people getting the therapy and the mental health that they need, but also black therapists and how they're perceived in that world. What would you say the thing was for you? I would say definitely just the differences and just like the areas in which they practice. So Mm -hmm. like geographically, like, Yes. Just the differences just because of where they were Mm -hmm. and how it was just what really got me was that like Ashley I have like 90, 80-90% white clients and I'm like oh that makes sense Yeah. and then Curtis was like I have like 80-90% black clients I'm like that makes sense (laughs) but you never I guess because I've only been in the south living in the south for a little while i mean my family's from the familiar with the south but i guess growing up in the pacific northwest where it's like yeah you just see hella white people so it's like that makes sense yeah 
but not really connecting the dots that like that would be a vast difference in the south mm-hmm. and i'm kind of curious as to like so the thought process is behind the clients themselves yeah like, do white people in the south like seek out black therapists like <laughs> like ah it, it, it brought up more questions because I'm like, I never really actually thought about it in that way. Mm-hmm. And like, it makes complete sense, but I just had never put two and two together. Yeah. And so I think that kind of links into like what I learned is just that, again, with like, when we went back to the parenting and how the cost of living, the cost of parenting, the options of parenting, and then now with therapy, it, it, it can be completely different based on where you live yes and I guess because we have like the the distinct background of being in both places we can kind of like resonate with both Mm -hmm. but if you're you've only grown up in this one area and to have that conversation with someone else that grew up in a different area that can be kind of shocking yeah (laughs) and you really wouldn't know to think of the difference and that was what I was going to say as far as what what I had learned as well was you know their their schools of thought are very similar like as far as their background and education and how they studied but to me it seems like they have to almost you know portray it differently because of where they are and I was just mm-hmm. like not to say that they're missing out on things but I feel like there's just a certain dynamic that's different when you're working with people you know in Washington <laughs> oh <bro>, yes <laughs> the vibes are different yeah different people in North Carolina so you know I'm sure their level of care is at the same level but like navigating that I too would be curious to see oh okay I I guess I wouldn't have thought to go this way with it but you know that's just kind of the culture of therapy here so that's the culture that we're going to subscribe to and just do it like that even if people you know do it somewhere else I I think it's kind of like medicine like people Mm -hmm. in Indonesia and you know people in you know South America Colombia South America probably know the same anatomy they know the same thing but how they execute you know treatment is going to be completely different one depending on the patient and two depending on the area and what's culturally normal for them um so even if we're in the same country culturally Washington and North Carolina are totally different they're totally different they're just they're, they, they they are they are completely different worlds yeah it's just it's, it's just, just not. it's not the same <laughs> <laughs> at all <laughs> oh my goodness well again i hope you guys enjoyed that i hope for you therapy newbies or there what do you call it when it's like you're dibbling and dabbling but you don't really know is it called like a novice or something like that i don't know the right word for a girl yeah. but i hope y'all out there that are interested in therapy um learn something maybe a little bit more comfortable going yeah so i definitely um would say utilize the resources of you know you can gal you can get on the internet and search for what kind of therapy you want Mm -hmm. the ethnicity of your therapist Mm -hmm. the gender of your therapist your you know specific demographic that you want addressed so the world is just your oyster now And so again, thank you to Ashley and Curtis for joining us. And don't forget, we're here for you every Thursday. Okay. So don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode.
the five-star rating and share your thoughts and stories in a review. If you're here on YouTube, click that subscribe button, click the notification bell so you're notified whenever we upload, okay? Give us a like and comment on this video and follow us on the Instagram and the Facebook at Seattle Lights in the South. Everything you need will be linked in the description in the, in the review the review box, whatever it is, wherever you are, where there's descriptions of things, they'll be there for you. They'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> but until next time, thank you for joining the girls. Yes. And if you made it with us through this mental health month. Snaps for you. Yes. Thank Snaps. you for joining us. For but you. until next time, hoes. Thanks, y'all. Bye. I say hoes because it's going to be a hot girl summer. Uh. So <laughs> with that being said, prepare yourself for ratchetry. Okay, when the, when the sun comes out, the thighs come out, the thoughts come out at night and in the daytime. So look. Are listening, you hear me? You hear me? All right. Peace, love, and chicken grease. Bye. You know what? That sounds delicious. I need me some Ezels or something. You know that's what? Let's not even, let's not even act like we're going to need some, with some heaven set.